Hey guys, welcome to the One Life Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us today and we hope this message encourages you and strengthens your faith. Enjoy the message. It's great that we can come and we can worship uh, Jesus, we can worship God and uh, Christmas, as we said, we're right on the preposes of Christmas coming and we're in a series at the moment called The God Who's With Us, as Emily's already said. And today I want to talk about God's unwavering commitment to you. Do you know... As we grow in life and as we have relationships in life, we get certain, certain relationships where we get close to people, other people we're not so close to. But the ones that we're close to, we have a certain capacity to love those people, right? Whether it's your spouse, whether it's your children, if you're, if you're blessed to have a family. As time goes on, there's relationships and dynamics that do change over time. And I know at best sometimes when, when I'm a, a husband, and I'd like to think I'm a reasonably devoted husband to my wife, that at times I could be more loving. At times I could be more expressive of my love. There's times where I can be a little bit cold. Yet we serve a God that is able to love the whole world simultaneously. You know, and I think that's just such a mind-blowing concept and ability that He has being God omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, knowing all things. That God has such a capacity to love each and every single person, and at best I can struggle to love one at times. And so it's an amazing uh, attribute of our Lord and Saviour that He loves us so, so much. I want to start this morning with a a little bit of humour. Father Murphy walked into a pub and said to the first man he met, Do you want to go to heaven? The man said, I do, Father. The priest declared, then leave this pub right now. The man promptly rose to his feet and headed for the door of the pub. Father Murphy then approached a second man. Do you want to go to heaven? Certainly, Father, was the man's reply. Then get up and leave this den of iniquity right now, said the priest. So this man also rose to his feet and scampered out the door of the pub. Happy with his success rate. Father Murphy then fixed his sights on the notorious Paddy O'Toole, who had been sitting in the corner, quietly observing Father Murphy's righteous crusade. What about you, O'Toole? Do you want to go to heaven? O'Toole replied, no, Father, I do not. Clearly shocked by O'Toole's lack of enthusiasm, the priest looked him in the eye and said, you mean to tell me, O'Toole, that when you die, you don't want to go to heaven? O'Toole, O'Toole smiled. Oh, yes, Father, when I die, yes, of course, Father. But I thought you were getting a group together to go right now. Yeah. Boom, boom. But I'm sure that all of us can relate to various people that have come into our lives from time to time who may or may not have had ulterior motives. You know, we all have had people and people that get close to us, people that, that you know, want to... Uh, get to know you and and we can be wary sometimes because in life we can get hurt by other people's actions and by the way people have treated us you know and as a result when when we find ourselves in a position where we may have been the subject to you know people that haven't treated us well we can often become you know a little bit guarded when we come to meet new people Uh, we can even um, become despondent sometimes when meeting new people because we're just really aware that we don't want to get too close to people just in case. Just in case they, they happen to do the wrong thing by us. I've been let down before and I don't want to be, I don't want to be let down again. And I'm sure that 
And all of us would run out of fingers and toes if we had to count the amount of times that we've had people in our lives that have let us down, that have done the wrong thing by us, have you know, taken advantage of certain, certain situations that we may have found ourselves in and, and tapped out of the relationship when we really needed them to be there. And yet those people, for whatever reason, aren't there in that capacity that they were once when, when they were. You know, it, it can be very challenging to us in our relationship world. And I often think about, you know, um, just some examples of when someone might take something from, or well, not take, take something from us, that would be stealing, but when someone asks us for something and we lend it to them and uh, we, we think and we, we, we imagine that that item is going to be returned to us at some point in time, but, but you know, a few weeks go by, a few months go by, and, and then uh, I haven't seen the item return, and sometimes the item doesn't come back. And, uh, you know, it can make us a little bit, uh, you know, tenuous when it comes to lending something to someone else again because we've had a bad experience in the past. And it's like, well, if I let go of this thing, maybe, maybe it won't come back to me. You know, we've all had those, those things that happen in relationship that, that can really test relationship, can really test us in, in terms of our ability to trust other people. I had an example uh, when I was only quite young, I was only about 12 years of age, and I went on a scout camp, and we're living down on the Murray River at the time, and there was this whole idea of bringing in a, an older buddy, like as a peer support sort of role model. And one of, the, one of the exercises they had was, along the Murray River, there's a lot of clay cliffs in various places, and there was a clay cliff that would have been probably about 20 foot high or so, jump into the river. And so the idea was that you'd run off this cliff with your buddy, and you'd both land in the river. And so I teamed up with this one guy and, uh, you know, it all went well. We, we got up there and we, we said one, two, three, and we did this sprint and we both jumped off and it was great. You had about a, you know, 15-minute walk to, to get out um, and walk back up the bank again and make, us, make your way back up to the bank again. He said, do you want to go again? And I said, yeah, it'd be great. Let's do this again. And so we lined up a second time and it was one, two, three, and I've sprinted and I've run off and I've landed in the water. And when I landed in the water, he wasn't there in the water with me. And I've looked up onto the bank and he was up on the bank and he was laughing. And do you know what? I just felt so burned. It was like, are you kidding me? Like we just did this activity together and, and all of a sudden you've just sort of cut me off and you think it's, it's funny. And I absolutely ghosted this guy for the rest of that camp. Like, honestly, um, you know, we can feel betrayed. We can feel duped. And uh, life can really be hard sometimes in relationships. You know, I want to look at someone in the Old Testament this morning, and uh, we're going to look at the life of Joshua. And uh, in his early life, Joshua was no stranger to being let down by people. First of all, Joshua was born in the land of Egypt while Israel was still there, and they're all living in bondage, and, and the Israelites were slaves to the Egyptians. And so this is the environment, this is the place where, where Joshua finds himself living. And we know by reading about the way that the Israelites were treated, there was, they were harsh taskmasters, those Egyptians. They were hard on people. You know, particularly when Moses turned up, things got even harder. When Moses turned up and started going to Pharaoh and, and, and saying, this is what, you know, is going to happen if you don't let my people go. This is what the great I am says. And then all of a sudden, you know, Pharaoh gets his back up and things got even harder for the Israelites living there. And so he was no stranger to knowing what it was like to be living around people that, 
that didn't treat people fairly. And after they get out of the, 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 uh, the land of Egypt, and they're, they're right on the preposes of going into the promised land, Moses sends out the 12 spies, one leader from each of the tribes. And Joshua and Caleb were two of those that went. As we know, the story goes that those two men came back and they, there was produce that was bought by those 12 spies that they brought back with them and the stories of what they saw. And they spoke about what they saw and they said, oh, this is truly is a land flowing with milk and honey and, and this, this is a blessed place to dwell. And, and oh, however, there are huge people living there and we're only grasshoppers in their sight. And, and, and see, the, the other 10 spies started to bring a negative report. And can you imagine what it would have been like for Joshua and Caleb at that point in time? It's like, are you kidding me? Like, come on, God said this is our land to possess. This is, this is His Word, His spoken Word over us to go into this place and, and to take it for ourselves. What are you talking about? We're well able to take it. Oh, no, 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 we're not. We're not. We can't. We can't go in there. We can't go in there. And Joshua, you know, once again, been in that place of being let down. And um, it can take its toll on people, but it didn't take its toll on Joshua. Joshua remained steadfast in his commitment to Moses and to God and what God's written word or God's spoken word had actually said about what he was going to do through Moses and the children of Israel. And, um, you know, because of Joshua and Caleb's undivided commitment to, to Moses and to the spoken word of God, they were the only two men from their generation that actually made it into the promised land when they entered the promised land. Every other person from that generation had died and perished in the wilderness. And so his steadfastness in the word of God and the spoken word of God and what God declared was going to come to pass. He was unshakable in that and unwavering in his commitment to that. It's really interesting because Joshua's name in Hebrew actually means the Lord is salvation. And it's the exact same name that our Lord and Savior had, Yeshua, the Lord is our salvation. And there's so many parallels between the life of Joshua going in and conquering the Lord's enemies and the life of our Christ, our Lord and Savior, who's gone in and defeated sin and death on our behalf. And I'm going to look at a couple of those parallels this morning. But there was no doubt that the task that was put before Joshua was going to be a hard task. You know, we know the story about when Joshua goes in, in, in uh, Joshua 6 and you're confronted with the walls of Jericho. You know, this, it's a, there's never been a battle that's been won this way before by people walking around the walls of this city once every six days. And this was the instruction that was given. You're going to walk around the walls of that city once every six days. They've all got their weapons. They're all like, come on, let's go. But God says, no, this is the way it's going to roll. You're going to walk around the city once every six days. And on the seventh day, you're going to do it seven times. Who's ever won a battle like that? Who's ever won a victory like that? You know, I'm sure there were times maybe in Joshua's life, it's not recorded, when they could have been walking around those walls and there could have been a moment to think, is this really God? Like, I mean, come on, like walls falling down? Like, seriously, could this actually work? But he never doubted. We, we never read that he doubted that God was going to move. And we're going to pick a story up in Joshua 1, 5 to 9. And uh, Moses has just uh, basically been telling Joshua that he's going to be the next leader. And this is what he says. He says, No one will be able to stand against you 
as long as you live. For I'll be with you, this is the Lord speaking, as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land that I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning to the left or to the right. Then you'll be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Get this. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Do you know those words are still true for us today? God's unwavering commitment to each one of his children is that I am with you. I am not going to leave you. I am not going to forsake you. The Lord is with you wherever you go. So I believe that feelings and thoughts of dismay and discouragement, if left unchecked, can deviate us away from God's best for us. Some translations read in there, you know, do not be dismayed. Do not be discouraged. You know, dismay and discouragement can come to all our lives. But this is the word that the Lord spoke to Joshua, you know, that I'm going to be with you wherever you go. And no matter when those feelings or those thoughts might come along, be assured that irrespective of those things, that I will not leave you and that I will accomplish exactly what I purpose to do through your life. So what was God's remedy for Joshua? Verse 7, he said, Do not deviate from the instructions that Moses gave, turning either to the left or to the right. There's a, uh, a scene out of a movie, Cars. Anyone know the movie Cars? And uh, Lightning McQueen, he's in the back of Mac. They're on the way to a race in Los Angeles. And, and McQueen was really wanting to get there first he wanted to get there first he didn't he didn't want to wait around and and everybody else they were going to do it over two days but no we're going straight through the night we're going to go on the interstate we're going to get to LA we're going to beat everyone we're going to get there on time and so poor old Mac the truck he's he's really struggling along this journey he starts to doze off and eventually he he goes past a rest area and he he looks at all the trucks I remember the line he says all those sleeping trucks and he and he's like eventually heads onto the rumble line and he's starting to go to sleep and everything starts to shake in the back of the trailer and McQueen unceremoniously drops down out of the tailgate onto the interstate, finds himself there in the middle of the lane with cars starting to come at him and he comes to life and he's like panics, he cannot see Mac, he cannot see where Mac's gone so he speeds off and he tries to find Mac and he finds himself on Route 66 or a part of Route 66 and uh, eventually he is screaming along this road and there's this old sheriff hiding behind a billboard and uh, he sees Lightning McQueen go past and I think the line is, not in my town you don't. And so he heads out and he starts after McQueen in full pursuit of McQueen. And Sheriff, who's quite old, he's an old car, hasn't driven that fast in a long time and he starts to backfire. Some old people do that too. He starts to backfire and so all of a sudden McQueen starts to think he's being shot at and he starts to swerve all over the road. You might remember the scene. He's like serpentine, serpentine. And you know, sometimes in life we can, we can get off track. 
We can find ourselves just in a space where it's like, what's going on? Where, 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 what's, what's happening in my life at the moment? Everything just seems disorientating. And we can find ourselves in a space where we feel all alone. And we feel like that we've been forgotten about. And sometimes, you know, we, we can find ourselves in a place where God can feel distant from us. And I believe that there are seasons in our life where this can happen. We can feel lost. We can feel like Lightning McQueen, to use him as an example. Like, where have you gone? I need to get back. Like, this is, this is the direction we're going and can't seem to find the way back again. The Lord's answer to Joshua was to meditate on the book of instruction that was handed down to him by Moses. The Lord's answer to us, I believe, is to meditate on his word. Just as the psalmist said, I meditate on your word. Sometimes we can feel distant from God. Yet God's given us his word. God's given us his book of instruction that we can go to and find comfort in. And I believe that God would have us too get into his word. Remind ourselves of who he is and who we are in, who we are in his eyes. You know, we've been redeemed, we've been bought, we've been purchased with a price. We've been, we've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. He's a God that loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. You know, this is, this is how much our God values us. We are valuable in his sight and he has an unwavering commitment to you. The psalmist said in Psalm 139 verse 7 to 10, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. See, when God's called us to himself, we can be confident that there is no lack of commitment or ability on his part in fulfilling his promises to us. And I don't know where you find yourself today. Maybe you find yourself in a place where you go like, we're stepping out in faith or I'm stepping out in faith and there just doesn't seem to be any movement happening here. There just doesn't seem to be anything going on for me. Maybe you, you, you're going through a season where, where, where things seem hard or the heavens seem like brass. Friend, I can relate to what it feels like at those times. That God feels distant to us. But I've been encouraged when I find myself in those seasons to continue to press into the heart of God. Continue to, to worship him, continue to declare his goodness, to con continue to read his word, continue to press in. You know, sometimes there's a season that we go through where God's just asking us to take that, that next step. Sure, there's been seasons in my life where doors just continue to open and something happens and, and all of a sudden, oh, God opens a door and God opens a door and everything's fine and dandy. But you, you eventually get to a place in your walk where some of those doors don't move. Some of those doors don't budge. And, and it's a time where we, we come and we draw aside with the Lord and we say, God, what are you doing in my life? God, what, what is it that you are wanting me to see about you? And I believe that it's true of all of us in life that challenging times can come, but God wants us to know that he's fully committed to this relationship that he has with each one of us. So I want to draw some parallels between Joshua and Jesus First of all, Joshua fought with physical weapons and won victories with a sword of steel. Christ fought only with spiritual weapons and his victory was triumph over sin, death and the grave. Joshua had good reason to fear that by his death, his life work would be undone. 
But Jesus knew that by his death, his life work would be completed, resulting in the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Thirdly, Joshua had a nation. He led a nation into a land which proved to be a temporary inheritance and place of rest. Jesus leads his followers into an everlasting inheritance and place of permanent rest. As we think about the season that we find ourselves in at the moment, that God has come to dwell among men, that God loved you and me so much that he took on humanity in himself to relate to us, yes, but also to die for us, that we could have life. And I think it's just an amazing expression of God's unwavering commitment to us that it wasn't that he was going to come up with some other plan B. This commitment that he had to you and me involved sending himself in the form of his son, God the Son, to redeem us and to save us and to draw us close to him. Friend, there's no greater, there's no greater God than the God that we serve. There's no greater God that can love the way that our God loves us. Even when we're unfaithful, the word says that he remains faithful. And we can be assured that his commitment to us is absolutely unwavering. The Apostle Paul, in writing to the church at Philippi, said in Philippians 1, 6, And I'm certain that God, who began the good working within you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. God's committed to completing his work in each one of us up until we take our final breath, whenever that might be. God's commitment is unwavering to each one of us. Joshua lived to be 110 years of age and Joshua had some concerns. Joshua had some concerns about how the next generation was going to get on. And rightly so. We know Israel's history. It was one of obedience followed by disobedience, by obedience followed by disobedience. And that cycle just continued and continued and continued. Yet God had a commitment to those people. And God has a commitment to you and he has a commitment to myself that he's going to see us through. Whatever life looks like at the moment, whatever situation you're facing at the moment, he is fully committed to you. In Joshua 23 And verse 14, he says, Now behold, today I'm going the way of all the earth, and you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one word of all the good words which the Lord your God has promised concerning you has failed. All have been fulfilled for you. Not one, not one of them has failed. Friends, our God won't fail us. He will never, ever fail us. You know, maybe there's people here today, and even as I was preparing this message, I I just sense that there were people that just feel a little bit disenfranchised in their relationship with God. Can I I just tell you that God's okay with that? (laughs) That might surprise you. God knows us so well. He knows that we can get a little bit, you know, out of it sometimes. But see, he's not a God that's like that. He's a God that remains consistent in his love and devotion towards you. I don't know what's happened in the last couple of days. Maybe maybe the Christmas bonus that, that work had promised didn't come through. Maybe it was well short of what you thought it was going to be. Maybe someone had, you know, said to you that they were going to do something or give you something and that that hasn't happened. Maybe you've been waiting to 
to get into a house or there's, there's other things that are happening for you and those things just aren't happening at the moment. Friend, can I remind you that God's timing is always spot on. <laughs> it is always on point. And God wants, I believe, to remind us today that His commitment to us is unwavering. Not like humans, not like man. He's a God that's fully committed to your life today. And I believe there's people here today that, that I'd love to have the opportunity to pray with you today. Because I just believe that God wants to remind you of His goodness. And you're, you find yourself in a place where it's just, well, I'm not so sure. I'm, I'm not so sure about this goodness of God. I've been going through some stuff lately. Friend, I'd love the opportunity to pray with you this morning and minister to you. And then through the Holy Spirit today, we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are so committed to each one of us. You have a plan, you have a purpose for each one of our lives. Lord, we, we acknowledge that we don't always see your ultimate purpose in, in everything that happens in life. In fact, sometimes the things that happen to us in life can be quite perplexing and, and could cause us to question your faithfulness. But Lord, we choose to put our trust in you. We know that you are good. Your word declares that about yourself. Lord, we have been people that have at times in our life tasted and seen that you are good. And though we may be in a season that, that is unsure and, and we're questioning some things, then God, we just want to recommit our hearts we want to recommit our faith. We want to recommit our lives to you, Jesus, in this place. So Lord, right in this moment, right across this auditorium and maybe those that are listening to my voice at some later stage, Lord, I just pray that you would just speak a word. Lord, that you would impart, Father, your goodness. You would remind us, Lord, of the God that you are and that you are committed to us. As you've been in the past, Lord, you will be to us in the future. And Lord, I thank you that we can face every day in the knowledge that if our God is for us, then who can be against us? And Lord, I just pray that you would allow your peace to settle in lives and minds today. Lord, that where there's been, Father, things that have distracted, where there's been things that have caused doubt and fear and dismay to come in, Lord, I just pray that your spirit just comes now and just corrects those things in our lives. Remind us, Lord. Remind us of who you are. And we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.